Welcome to another episode of Goful Crypto. Rugakshi and I interview Jacinda Brown from Crypto Night Energy. Jacinda is a geologist that's worked in the oil and gas industry for uh, a number of decades, and she has recently turned to setting up Bitcoin mining operations beside established oil wells. So Jacinda brings her expertise as a geologist to this new field of Bitcoin mining in order to make these established uh, oil and gas industries and operations more efficient. So I came to this conversation with a bit of a bias, but I'm happy to report that Jacinda um, opened our eyes a little bit with respect to the figures and the facts that are actually driving the, the, uh, the Bitcoin energy conversation. So I hope that you take away as much as I did from this conversation. And without further ado, let's dig in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Margakshi Palwi, and the guests on the GoFull Crypto podcast are solely their own and are not intended as financial advice. The content discussed is for informational purposes only. Hello, Jacinda, and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, I, I want to know where you're calling in from, but also more importantly, I'm very curious to know what that map behind you is all about. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm calling in from Denver, uh, and the map behind me is an oil and gas map of the state of Wyoming. Um, I'm a 20-year uh, geologist by degree in trade, and so that's an area that I've worked pretty heavily. And so it's just, yeah, I, I use it as my reference map when I do geology. Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. What got you interested in, um, in getting so deep into the field of the geology, pun intended? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I took a class in college 20 years ago, and I was just naturally good at it. And so I figured if I really enjoyed it and it came easily to me, it'd be a good thing to major in. Uh, so I majored in geology, had no idea what I was going to end up using it for. Uh, field camp ended in Crested Butte, Colorado, because uh, I went to school out in North Carolina, UNC Wilmington, and I just never left. I uh, ended up finding a job out in Colorado doing geological software for a couple of years. And then I got plucked away by an oil and gas company. And so that's how I got into oil and gas. Right on. That's that's fantastic. Um, well, to our audience, the way that we met, Jacinda and I is on LinkedIn. Jacinda, you shared a very fascinating video about using excess natural gas to mine Bitcoin. And it was it was a really great caption too. I, and I'll have to go and dig it back up to put it in the show notes. But tell us more about why you decided to post that on LinkedIn. Oh, so I recently started a company where we take undervalued gas. So either stranded or flared gas, where really natural gas for many years has been valued under $2 and MCF, which is 1,000 cubic feet of gas. Um, more recently, it's over $5 because of the pandemic and we've stopped drilling. So there's now a supply-demand issue. Um, but so we've always had an excess, not always. So in the last decade, we've had an excess of natural gas. And so we haven't been able to get much value for it. Um, and so it's kind of a byproduct of drilling for oil. And so it's common if you don't have a pipeline to just flare the gas, which means just to produce the oil and then light the, the methane, the natural gas on fire, 
because uh, if you combust the methane, then the, the uh, CO2 factor of it, the, the greenhouse gas emissions is lower because uh, methane is about 30 times greater of a greenhouse gas emission than CO2 itself. And so we just get in the habit of just burning it to combust it because um, it's just less, less bad for the environment. But it always seems hugely wasteful to take this clean energy source because methane is a relatively clean energy and just burn it for no purpose. Um, and so that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. And then there was a, a group called Caruso uh, Energy, and they're the ones that, that kind of proved this point. It's, I'm not the first one to have this idea, but Caruso decided that they could start taking flare gas, converting it to electricity, and using it to power data centers. And those data centers just happen to mine Bitcoin. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to take a good idea and just be a fast follower to it. Uh, right. That's how some of the, the most successful companies are. Um, they've probably been at it, I think it's four years now. And I, I know that I was doing an intro for them. And four years ago, I, I sent an intro to a, a Wyoming operator and they introducing them saying something about Bitcoin. And they thought that my email had been hacked. <laughs> Bitcoin was so foreign to them. I can say four years later, nobody thinks your email is hacked if you email them about using their gas to mine Bitcoin. So it's come a long way in four years. Wow, in just four um, years too. In just four years, yeah. And then how I personally got into it is, you know, I've spent my whole career doing geology, which means I uh, find oil and gas, I help them drill oil and gas, I do acquisitions and divestitures to acquire assets. I uh, do work over on old, on old wells. Um, and in 2017, I was working for a company that got an unsolicited offer to buy us out. So our company sold. And I got a little bit of an equity share in that, which was enough to give me the freedom to go do my own thing. So I was doing geologic consulting. And some of that consulting was in the oil and gas tech side of things. Because oil and gas is pretty old school. We don't use a lot of technology. Um, and so I've had my feelers since 2017 on oil and gas technology. Um, and then during the pandemic, when oil prices went negative, I actually lost all of my geologic consulting work. So it seemed like a, it just was like a forced change, right? Like, if you can't make money doing what you've done for 20 years, how am I going to reinvent myself? And so I had always had the idea to, you know, be a fast follower to Caruso. And I have plenty of friends in this space. And they've heard me talk about Bitcoin mining. So I approached one of my friends and I knew um, that they had a deadline coming up. So January 15th of 2022, Colorado is going to ban all routine flaring, meaning they, you can't, what we've been doing for decades, they can no longer do by January 15th. So small operators and big operators are going to be left with a choice to either shut in their oil production or find something to do with their natural gas, which means either hook it up to uh, the power grid, so that may be miles and miles away, put a pipeline in, but um, environmental regulations are, can be very difficult to get a pipeline in anytime soon. So one of the easiest things to do is to put a generator out there, take the natural gas, convert it to electricity, use that electricity to power computers, and those computers today are mining Bitcoin. That's fascinating. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> There's so much to dig into there. <laughs> that there really yeah. is. When did you hear first year of Bitcoin mining or just Bitcoin in general? Oh, 
so I will say, and I have a regret on this one. So with, I mean, I've, I've, I've known about Bitcoin, I guess, since the early days, but, um, you know, since it started, but I had never bought any Bitcoin. So I didn't get into this from the Bitcoin point of view. I really did get into it from the oil and gas point of view. Can oil and gas be more profitable by using technology? Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'd heard about Bitcoin, but I didn't, I had, I now have a little old, you know, miner in my office that I was playing around with to get into it. So I'd say maybe four years ago is when I saw how it was being applied to oil and gas and started showing some real interest in it. Um, when my company sold in 2017, I do remember saying to the investor, which we made him a couple hundred million dollars, any advice on what, what we should do with this, right, this equity check that you're giving us? And he said, pay off your mortgage, don't buy Bitcoin, <laughs> which was awful advice, right? If, I, if in 2017, I had taken my, my winnings and, and uh, I did not opposite. pay off my right? Why would you pay off a 3% interest loan? But if I had put some of it into Bitcoin, I'd be much, much further along in my uh, retirement plan. Um, so I didn't start buying it until then. About a year ago is when I got really serious. So I lost all my geologic consulting work September of last year. Right. And then I got introduced to a, uh, um, an investor who said, I'll back you. And so he said, take a 12-week cryptocurrency class in Coursera. So I took that one, and that gave me great talking points. It, it gave me a really good base understanding of it. Right. And then he said, okay, now buy a miner and mine it out of your office. So I actually did get COVID in December of last year. So since I was locked in my guest bedroom, I had very mild, right, like a cold. But since I was locked in my bedroom trying not to get my family sick, I had my um, Bitcoin miner in my guest room. And so that's when I actually put a Bitcoin miner on for the first time was when I was, you know, locked up for 10 days with COVID trying to not get the family sick. I just, you know, put it online and, and realized how not complicated it is, right? right? Like it sounds so crazy to people, but they're almost designed as a plug and play. Yeah. Um, and people have been doing it out of their bedrooms for years. Um, and so then I called up that guy who had said he would, uh, would back me. And he's like, oh, I found a two cents power contract in, in Texas. I'm not interested in the natural gas anymore. So then I was back to a square one again. Um, and I met with a mentor and, you know, he still encouraged me like, this is still a great idea of all the ideas you've had. I love this idea. Introduced me to another team. And so I joined them, like, I think it was in March. Um, and it was two brothers and we went after several deals, but we just weren't getting the momentum with, uh, finding the CapEx. So what's interesting I find is that we have more than enough natural gas for electricity, but finding investors who are willing to put in the capital to build out these projects proved to be quite difficult. Um, so CapEx is in short supply, not cheap energy. Uh, and so I went with them until about the end of July, and I thought, well, you know, I've got access to natural gas, I've got access to um, small amounts of capital, and I have Bitcoin knowledge. I think I'm going to go off on my own, and I'm going to chase a small project. Instead of trying to go after multi, you know, megawatts, I just want to go after a small project and do a proof of concept. And essentially, that's what we did. So less than six weeks after leaving that team, we went after a 70 MCF a day, so 70,000 cubic feet a day, which is about a third of a megawatt in Colorado that my friends own. 
So I, we went after that project. And again, since they're friends, we said, do you mind if we do a stage build out? This is our first project. We're going to put 10 computers out there and just make sure we know what we're doing. And so that's what we did. We put out a 70 kilowatt generator um, and 10 computers. And we hooked up all the, you know, we got the electrical engineer out there. We got the gas line out there. Um, we got the PDUs, the power distribution units out there. And we got everything hooked up and we just start and we, you know, we dug the hole, my two field partners dug the hole, put the post in to put the satellite up um, at the well site. And uh, within two weeks we were mining Bitcoin. And so we're like, okay, phase one is done. We know what we're doing. <laughs> Wow, um, that is a fascinating yeah. story. And also for the fact that during your 10 days of uh, being locked away from your family, uh, when, when you got COVID in December, really glad to know that you recovered well, by the way, that you tinker, tinkered around and worked a Bitcoin miner and then essentially started mining Bitcoin. That's such an awesome seed to what took place over the course of this year, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly 12 months from really when I started seriously down this path. Right on. And and with respect to natural gas, I'm not very familiar. I don't know if Keegan, you are, but like, so, you know, with respect to the kind of impact that uh, I guess procuring natural gas has on the environment is it, well, I guess, first off, is it considered a renewable resource of energy? And I'm really sorry for my noob question here. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not renewable. So, uh, Natural gas is buried. Uh, we're targeting Cretaceous, so it's about 65 million years ago. And so it's just old plants and animal products that were buried. And so it was created naturally, right? Like, so it's right 65 million years ago. It's probably, I haven't looked at the logs on this one recently, let's say 8,000 feet in depth because it's a Niobrara well. Um, and what what it was that? Uh, uh, the formation it produces from is called the Niobrara. Okay. Uh, and it's 65 million years ago. It's probably at about 8,000 feet t uh, TD, total depth. And so it's an oil well. Um, and so it's, you know, we produce the oil out, it goes into a tank. And when I say we, not me, the operator produces the oil, it goes into an oil tank, and then they haul it off, um, you know, every couple of weeks. The byproduct that comes with the oil is natural gas. So right. natural gas is, is one of the greenest burning energies there are. Right. Um, but without a pipeline, so there, they did have, when this well was originally drilled, there was a, and this happened, there was a pipeline there. But at some point, the, the midstream company that owned the pipeline decided it was full and no longer wanted to take their natural gas. So now these wells are producing oil, but have nowhere to put their gas. And so you can put a little burner on it and just, you either flare it, burn it, or right. vent it. Right. And, and, you, and um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but there's a limit to how much natural gas you can sort of like, where is that stored or how is that transported? Is there a limit on how much you can transport at a time? Um, so the, the natural gas is stored in the, the, we call it the porosity in the rock. So it's in the, the, the open air space between the rock, the, mineral crystals um because they're not it's not solid and if even if you look at cement under a microscope there's little holes and so the gas is stored in the holes the gas and the oil i guess you could think of the rock almost as like a sponge and right. so there's these microscopic holes and that's where the oil and the natural gas is stored 
And so we produce it, and a well is going to produce for 20 plus years. But right. once it's produced, it's not right. It's not going to produce again. It's oil and gas is just the energy of the sun that was captured into plants and then buried, um, and then it creates these this carbon, this hydrocarbon right. um, that will produce. So it's not a renewable one, but it, it burns rather clean. Again, methane is it's a clean energy to burn. Right on. And you were talking about excess gas that either has to get um, flared. flared or uh, I guess I don't remember the other option. Yeah, flared or vented or uh, hooked up to a, a grid. Um, and so, like, if you have a pipeline, you're just going to put the, the gas into a pipe. So there's a, a, a pipe that goes across the United States. Right. So if you have access to a pipeline, you're going to put it there and it's going to go through a compressor station and then be sold to market, right? Because we all use natural gas to, for our water heaters in the United States, for our stoves, to heat our houses, right? Right. Um, and so if there's a pipeline, it'll go into that. But a, a lot of times you can't get you can't get pipeline. For new wells, it's really hard to get pipelines approved because it might have to pass, might have to go over federal acreage, BLM acreage. And with the Biden administration, they're just fighting any anything like that. So there's no way to put a pipe in the ground. Um, so I like to think of Bitcoin mining as almost like a digital pipeline because rather than having to lay steel in the ground, I can take it exactly from the wellhead, convert it to electricity on site, and then I'm transmitting data via the satellite. So it's a, it's a digital way to monetize that gas. Um, You're converting versus, that natural which, gas into Bitcoin directly, and it's it's an extremely yeah. low cost uh, way to to set up that operation, right? It, you don't right. need to build miles and miles of of transmission lines to hook into the grid. You can convert it directly into money itself, and that's that's kind of the beauty mm -hmm. of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, because I think with the, with what people don't understand with Bitcoin mining is that all of the processor intensive stuff is happening on the computer, but the data that we're transmitting on the satellite is very minimal. It's just an right. alphanumeric code. And so we don't need a fiber optic line. And that's why Bitcoin mining is a great use of dispersed. So, you know, middle of nowhere power um, that maybe you couldn't use for a data center, like an Amazon, an AWS, right? Like where they need, when they need a really good internet connection, we don't need a really great internet connection to mine Bitcoin. I think people probably don't understand that about Bitcoin mining is all the work's happening on the computer and then the gases we're sending are very simple, not not graphic intensive by any means. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Thanks, thanks for honing in on that because I, I know that that tripped up um, me and my, my dad, we, we were mining Ethereum. A little bit ago like are you gonna yeah. crash my internet like do we have enough bandwidth for this and i was like well no that's that's not actually the way it works uh so that that's a that's a good little tidbit for our listeners yeah i think we can be confused with watching netflix it's, um yeah, or nothing like, like that, netflix right? and amazon prime and or hours of youtube just all in on the same internet but like you said it's a simple alphanumeric code that gets sent once you've mined bitcoin and all you need is the work of all of the processors that are utilizing the electricity produced by the excess gas, which, which is really cool. So well, I want to know, I mean, when you started your proof of concept, I guess, how did you map out um, or the efficiency of, of the system or what is the efficiency of using excess natural gas to mine Bitcoin? 
Um, I mean, so we, so the proof of concept, we just got 10 S15. So we got slow computers because again, we, we didn't want to have capital sitting there ready to deploy. We just wanted to make sure that we knew what we were doing. And there's things like the computers are coming from Asia. And so their power hookup doesn't match the U.S. hookup. So we had, and electrical engineers are in short supply right now as well. So we brought a guy out of retirement. He's like 80 years old and we had him hooking him up. Um, and so everything takes longer than you want it to. So we were like, let's get as cheap of computers as we can to figure this out. Um, the generator company, so when you, you put a generator on location to convert natural gas to electricity, um, the DTU of your gas, so how rich of gas you have, uh, it changes how much electricity will be generated. So whether it's 1,100 BTU or 1,300 BTU, so we have to know the BTU content of our um, gas that we're getting. Um, and then the elevation changes the efficiency. So are we at 9,000 feet or 6,000 feet? And that'll change how efficient that generator can work. Um, and then we just use those in our calculations, right? I have a spreadsheet that's probably got 20 different variables in it. Um, but a good rule of thumb, if there's other oil and gas people listening to this, is uh, 70 MCF a day is about a third of a megawatt and will power, so we say 70 to 80 MCF a day will power a 350 kilowatt generator. And that'll be about a third of a megawatt. And then we look at, um, our target is what's the best return on an initial invested capital. So not really revenue, but return on initial capital. So you can actually, you know, sometimes you might want to use the slower computers because the CapEx to buy those computers is less. And so you'll get a return on your capital, a, a greater return on your capital. Um, and so that, I mean, so do you go on return on capital or revenue? And as I said, CapEx is the hardest thing to come by. So we want to make sure that our investors are getting the best return on their capital. Uh, so our next deployment is S17. Um, which we understand, you know, they can be unreliable, but the price is so reasonable and we are going to put them in immersion cooling so that we can overclock them and get a better return. So we can, with F-17s, um, we can about, we can reduce our CapEx spend by about 50% versus if we use F-19, F-19 Pros. Um, and they were just easier to get our hands on because, um, you know, Bitcoin price has been rising. So... <laughs> one day, one day, they're one price, the next day, they're the next. So I always say that oil and gas, like, we're very used to volatility in prices. Um, and when you drill a well, service companies price, like their drilling rig and all the steel and all that is based on the, the price of oil. Um, and so it's similar to that in that uh, computers, the, the ASICs used to mine Bitcoin are priced on the, on the, the probability of Bitcoin. Um, but they move day to day. I'm going to say if service companies are not moving day to day, like you, you have six months of that price before it jumps. And so for us, that's been tricky in the CapEx because I could run the numbers today and tomorrow it could be $30,000 or $60,000 more because the price of Bitcoin went up. Um, <laughs> Well, that's awesome to know. Well, I want to double click actually on you saying that um, you're used to volatility in oil and gas because I'm not aware of that. Like volatility as much as there is in Bitcoin and I guess the rest of the cryptocurrency industry is unheard of in any other industry based on my viewpoint or whatever 
pieces of information and sources of uh, information that I'm plugged into. But can you tell me more about what sort of volatility you're used to in oil and gas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, oil prices and natural gas prices. I've been through, is it three or four downturns now in oil and gas? So, I've been doing oil and gas since 2001. Uh, in 2008, we had natural gas prices dropped overnight. And it was really because we got too good at our job. So, we learned how to drill horizontally and do really big fracks. So, just fracturing the rock to get the gas out. And I was working in the Piance Basin, which is a big natural gas basin. And at one point, natural gas was $14 an MCF. Um, it dropped overnight, and we laid down four rigs. So we were drilling four wells overnight. The price dropped. We laid down four rigs. And people that we had hired on Monday at this company, we laid off on Friday. And wow. I had been there for six and a half years. So the price was volatile. During the pandemic, oil prices went negative. Right, yeah. So I've seen oil prices well over $100. It's at $80 per barrel this week. We haven't seen $80 barrels in, I don't know if it's like a decade. It's been a long time since we saw it. Like the first time oil went over $100 a barrel, we popped champagne. Um, but then just as easily, like it can be $25. Um, it would probably have been 2016, 2015. Oil was $25 a barrel. There's this conference down in Houston that we all go to called NAPE, where you and it was, if you lost your name tag, it said it was $50 for a replacement badge. And we were like, two barrels of oil to replace this, <laughs> this name tag if I lose it. Um, so the prices are all over the price, from negative to $25 to $80 now to over $100. And the same with um, natural gas, right? It was at $14 and $10 for so long. And then up until the pandemic, we hadn't really passed $2 in in uh, oh, probably a, about a decade, and now it's almost $6, which is unheard of. But again, supply and demand, we laid down our rigs during the pandemic because there was no demand for oil and gas. Um, and now and now OPEC's saying they're not going to overproduce so, they're, so people understand the value in petroleum. So the prices are just up and down. And unfortunately, in oil and gas, that's our jobs are like that. You can get laid off overnight. Because our margins are thin in oil and gas, people think we make a ton of money, but it's just because of because um, it's a volume. So we get a little margins on really big volume, and that's where the profitability is. So since the margins are so slim that when the price moves, uh, that's enough that you're uneconomic. Right. Um, so so that's it. So I would say oil and gas they're like a perfect fit because I think of Bitcoin just as a third commodity. And so we're used to prices fluctuating in oil and fluctuating in natural gas. Now let's just add a third commodity in there, Bitcoin. Um, and so, so we're used to price volatility. And then I also say like uh, oil and gas people we're really good at is operations. So like, you know, getting a site ready to drill a well and then drill two, well, two miles down and two mile lateral. It's very just operation intense, like permitting, getting the site ready, production. It's just operations, right? There might be 100 steps, but you just do the 100 steps. So many times you just get good at it. And so that's all Bitcoin is too, right? Like getting a site ready to put a container out there. And there might be 100 steps, but it's no different than what oil and gas people do. And then I was listening to a podcast on Bitcoin and they're saying, Bitcoin's just all, it's a small network. It's all about who you know in this business. And um, oil and gas is the same, right? We're small and it's about who you know and what you know. And so it's all about relationships. 
um, oil and gas, a lot of deals get done on handshakes. And so I think Bitcoin and oil and gas have a lot of similarities. And maybe it's just because, right, my background is oil and gas, so I can see similarities. And and maybe if you came from a different industry, you'd think it was similar to that as well. But that's kind of, I, I think they're a perfect marriage, really. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. The thing that you said about them, there being similarities between oil and gas and Bitcoin, I think that you're right. Based on what sort of expertise you have, you probably just find so many similarities with Bitcoin because it it's like the one commodity that is here for you, uh, at least the way that we think of it. And it has nothing to gain and nothing to lose simply for existing. But the people that take advantage of it have a lot to gain and a lot to lose if they take advantage of it properly or take disadvantage of it. And it's like Bitcoin kind of blows your minds the more we learn about it every single every single day. Um, I wanted to ask you with respect to, you know, you've got this mining center. By the way, what is the name of your company? Oh, our company's name is Kryptonite Energy. Oh, that's so great. Crypto with a C, yeah, yeah. night with a K, all one word and energy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a really smart name. Um, and okay, so you know, with mining Bitcoin, you started getting um, for us its money. So let's say you started earning money in Bitcoin. Did that sort of like how did you um, approach allocation of capital or sort of being the people that get Bitcoin from the network first? Um, and I know that uh, with respect to you know paying for bills, with respect to contractors, and for managing um, the maintenance of the devices, and you know all of these expenses, you do have to sell a little bit of Bitcoin. But um, in terms of profitability, from when you started to I guess where you have gotten to now, how profitable was it to you know start this endeavor and earn in Bitcoin and take care of all of your expenses and have a return on your investment? Right. So we're still early on in this. Um, we've run all the models. Um, we're going to be between 100 and 180% rate of return to our investors. Um, and our, our company just takes a carry. So we don't take a salary from this. But for every Bitcoin mined, our group's going to take a rev share off of that. And that's how us managing partners get paid. Uh, and then we'll convert enough to Bitcoin to cover our daily expenses and then do monthly distributions to our investors. So how we're set up right now is we're going to have investors invest in a project, not the company, for at least the thir- first three to five projects. So we have five projects identified once we get through those five. Uh, we are getting a little interest from people on wanting to invest in the company itself. But to start with, it's like you're going to invest in project one. And this is the CapEx for Project One. Um, And this is your ownership based on the capital that you you contributed. And we're going to do that for, so we're going to have five separate LLCs so that investors will have exposure to that project. Um, And again, our team will just take, we, in oil and gas, we call it a carrier, like an override um, outside of that, uh, a profit share, I guess, or not a profit share, it's a rev share. Um, and so that's how we're approaching it from the beginning. Um, and again, it's got a great rate of return. Our, our lead investor personally put in several hundred thousand dollars because of the model that we put together and he can see some great returns on it. We're going to do our distributions in Bitcoin. Not all our investors are Bitcoin fanatics. So they're going to have a Bitcoin wallet and we're going to show them how to convert it to cash immediately. 
Um, I'm trying to encourage like some of my friends who invested to at least take 10% of it and hold it in Bitcoin um, so that they can see the long-term gain on it. But again, they just care about what's the return on capital without ever thinking about how Bitcoin's going to appreciate in value for the most part. Yeah, that, that was my question actually, is that whether or not you pay out and like what percentage of the investors actually want to hold the Bitcoin? Because um, that, that's what immediately where my mind goes is like, what is the psychology of uh, of the your investor group, uh, your cohort? And uh, I think you answered that that all, uh, all right already. So I, I don't I don't know if I need any more further clarification on that. <laughs> you know, based I guess from your learnings and based on supply and demand, why why did you choose on on Bitcoin versus the other cryptocurrencies that you were also able to mine? Oh. Well, Ethereum, right, is going to go through a change from proof of stake to proof of work. And so, oh, yeah, um, right. right, yeah, so you're aware of that. Uh, <laughs> so that's just too risky. It, it just seemed too risky to go into that when you could see that change. I know that there were your Ethereum ASICs that entered the market right when the price was really high. And so then those who were mining with GPUs were no longer profitable. But if you put your money in to buy ASICs, and then they switch over to proof of work, your ASICs would be worthless. Um, and then all these altcoins, like we'll keep an eye on them, but to me right now, it's like playing the lottery. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't have the knowledge base to go after uh, some of these altcoins. And so we have invested our capital into ASICs. And as most people know, ASICs can only be used for Bitcoin and maybe a handful of other, com- com- a handful of other altcoins. And so we don't have a lot of um, optionality, but Bitcoin's the one that's been long, around the longest. It's the, uh, I guess, just the most well-known. And so it's the one that I personally am most heavily invested in and most comfortable with. Uh, but I do like to say, like, we are in the business of taking an undervalued resource, natural gas, energy, and monetizing it. And so today it's Bitcoin. In three, five, seven years, will it still be Bitcoin? I I don't know, but I want to be on the cutting edge of what's the most profitable way to monetize this wasted resource. Yeah, wicked. Okay, so I want to know more about the the whole wasted resource thing, because again, you're the expert here and I have no idea about um, uh, like the geological and ecological perspective of what it takes to um, extract oil and have natural gas be the byproduct of it. So I guess in terms of ecological and impact and to um, zoom out, even environmental impact, what does extracting natural gas do to its surroundings? Um, well, you're going to build a pad and you're going to drill a well underground. So uh, the acreage disturbed is pretty little, right? It's less than putting solar pans or panels across the entire uh, you know, field which they do out by Denver Airport, CIA. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's like, it's, we all, for our, I don't, it, we all need oil and gas to live the lives that we love, right? To heat our houses, to drive our cars, to make clothing, to make the plastics, for every part of life, that's what we need. And so if we can do that in the U.S. responsibly with environmental restrictions, right, I have to, like they, I have to get permits. I have to go through all these hoops. If I can do that locally 
and meet local restrictions and minimize the transportation that I needed. If I can drill it in Colorado and use it in Colorado, um, it's, it's what we need for our way of life. Um, I, I don't think it's any worse than like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, to me, oil and gas is just a necessity in life. I'm not using uh, lithium that I have to get from China. Um, and so it's just part of life. We do it responsibly. Um, people don't go into oil and gas to pillage the earth. We do it because uh, I'm a geologist because I love hiking and, and camping and that sort of thing. And so we do it responsibly and we follow restrictions. But uh, well, our stance on on simply energy is that we needed to progress, and if we are going, if we we just are, we're progressing as a society, as uh, with technology and our lifestyles and so many other factors. And in general, in, human well-being we're so goes up. Yeah, we're so reliant on energy, and where that energy comes from is simply how we were able to procure it in the first place. So, if anything that makes it efficient, anything that makes it um, less impactful towards its environment, so be it. And, uh, you know, with respect to the debate of, okay, Bitcoin mining is really bad for the environment, or perhaps you've also heard of um, statements like oil and gas is, is bad for the environment. First off, I think that I just outright disagree with, with that statement, like something dash and dash is bad for dash because that one sort of statement doesn't say anything about the context anything about requirements anything about the way that it's done anything about the source um but with respect to you know probably some questions that you have faced how do you let's say let's take bitcoin mining for example how do you support the the argument that bitcoin mining requires more energy than the whole country of argentina or the whole country of name a very really small country um how do you yeah. respond to that well i mean we're taking non-rival energy that otherwise would be burned for no purpose so we're not taking energy from anyone who would otherwise use it um so if anything we're benefiting the environment because if we if you flare if you flare natural gas or vent it, so if you flare it, you can combust 98% of the methane. And they say it's 98%, not 100, because you got the wind coming in, and with the wind, some of the methane is going to escape and, and go up and it's uncombusted. So if we run it through a generator, then it's 99.9% .9 combusted through the generator. So we're actually reducing methane emissions by almost 2% by running it through a generator versus flaring it. And then in addition to that, we are using it. So there's a beneficial use versus just burning for no purpose at all. And that beneficial use, whether it's like financial freedom in, in uh, El Salvador, because people don't have access to uh, bank accounts, right? Like, um, like, there, like there's an actual benefit to it, whether you believe in Bitcoin or not, you personally, like it's giving financial freedoms and it's reducing the environmental impact. It's also a way to tie into green energy sources. So I was on a panel, which I'm, I apologize, I couldn't get the link to give to you, but there was a geothermal guy there. Um, and so like, if there's a way that we could use Bitcoin on his geo, so taking like old PNA wells, plugged in abandoned oil and gas wells to create electricity to feed into the grid. But let's say feeding into the grid, you'll get paid six cents a kilowatt hour if you're you're lucky, right? And then they market it for thirty cents, uh, thir thirteen cents a kilowatt hour. If we can instead switch that into Bitcoin, which is about forty cents a kilowatt hour, 
you can pay out the build out to get that geothermal up and running. And so we can create the money needed to create green energy. The same, like if you want to build out solar panels and again, solar panels, are you going to get three, if you sell your energy back to the grid, are you going to get three cents a kilowatt hour? How about you put a Bitcoin mine by it and now you get 40 cents and you can pay back the infrastructure costs to build out the solar panels. So if you really want solar panels and all their lithium, you can do that through Bitcoin mining because it's just more profitable than sending it. So I think what we're going to see is, because we did have a guy on the panel who was working on solar panels and he said his investors don't care if he makes money, right? They're like, they're in it because it's green. And I don't have investors that don't care about making money. Like we have to be able to make money. And so if there's some way to tie your solar panels to Bitcoin mining to pay for the infrastructure so you can give a return back to your investors so that they continue, because how many people are going to keep giving you money if you don't give them a return on it? That just seems like, I guess you're writing a grant or something. Um, I don't I don't know why someone would make an investment that didn't need a return, but in solar, apparently that's the thing. And so I think if there's a way to tie Bitcoin mining into the, the waste of energy like natural gas, or into um, solar or geothermal, we can actually create these these infrastructures that will produce for a long time. So we can use Bitcoin mining to build out geothermal energy that we eventually hook up to the grid. That geothermal energy is gonna be there for the next 20, 40 years. And if we can pay through it for Bitcoin mining, that's great. Or if we you know, use Bitcoin mining to build out the fields and fields of solar panels, and those are gonna be there for the next 20 years, um, that's probably a, a, a positive. Yeah, I agree with everything. <laughs> everything you said, it, it accelerates us towards a more sustainable future. Um, I, I think what I was like starting to say that um, like the more energy that we harness as a human civilization, like human quality of life goes up. It's actually this, this nice correlation. So um, like if we actually ever want to uh, become a spacefaring society or have abundant energy for every citizen on earth. Um, not just the ones in the developed countries, but the underdeveloped countries. It's a great, like Bitcoin mining in a, in a nutshell solves that, that problem through the process that you described through, uh, identifying energy sources and then, uh, getting that initial capital investment to build it, but then paying back the investors with a, with a nice incentive, let's all things considered a really great incentive that you know uh, that stranded energy source over there in the middle of uh, of Nigeria or wherever. Um, look, we can pay you back. We just need the money to start this, and you're going to get Bitcoin in return. It's like, yeah, great, no brainer for me. Unless the investor- right, right. So payback's about a year, right? One to yeah. twelve months. Right, nine to twelve months is your payback time, and then you have that infrastructure for the next twenty years. That's crazy. What other industry does that? I I actually don't know. Is there another industry that you can think of uh, that you know of that would provide that kind of return and that kind of benefit that long-term benefit to its surrounding area no no i mean if you're going to drill an oil and gas well you're usually closer to a three-year payback a two to three-year payback so this one-year payback is phenomenal right an oil and gas well is two to three-year payback and then it'll uh you know produce for the next 20 to 30 years so yeah the one-year payback is fantastic um, and then, yeah, it's there. 
Um, we have a question that somebody asked us to ask you, and it is very specific, which is why I'm going to read okay. it word so I don't mess it up. But what is the kilowatt hour expense required to mine one Bitcoin? Is the question. Oh, to mine one kilowatt hour expense. So I've got to think how I think through it. So for instance, when we generate electricity from natural gas, we, we are leasing our generators and the cost to lease the 350 kilowatts, kind of the sweet spot is three cents a kilowatt hour. Um, and then we are purchasing gas. So when you, when you have oil and gas wells, you lease minerals and then the operator owes royalties on those. So whoever owns the minerals and leases them to gets a, a royalty on it. We call them overrides. Um, and so we pay them and that's negotiated on on um, on the size of the project, we can pay more for larger projects because of the scalability and the cheaper our you know you know uh, cheaper our it is to convert to electricity. So again, at a 70 kilowatt generator, we're going to have higher than three cents a kilowatt hour. So smaller projects, we can pay less. So let's say we pay between one and two dollars an MTF. That equates to about one to two cents a kilowatt hour. So we're mining Bitcoin for about five cents a kilowatt hour, four to five cents a kilowatt hour. Um, but to say what the cost to mine one, that varies because that's tied to the total hash rate of the network. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, let's, let's, if I put an all my OPEX for someone not in oil and gas, let's say all my OPEX in there at yesterday's prices, I'm mining a Bitcoin for about $9,500. And the Bitcoin was worth about 47000 yesterday. So that's the arbitrage in value between what it costs in electricity and all-in cost, so electricity plus uh, insurance, security, all that, all that cost, that's the value. Um, and then if there's any oil and gas listeners on here, I, we also do it on what's my dollar for MCS. Right? If right now I can sell that gas down the pipeline for $5.65 in MCS, what is the value of that? So yesterday, at, um, I guess it wasn't, I'm like, was it 60,000? Yesterday, I want to say we were at like, let's say 50K and 150 million terahashes or 100, I guess it was 160 million terahashes. It was about $36 in MCS if I was a value after I paid $2 for the gas. So the difference between the $2 that I was paying and the value I create for it is 36 dollars and MCF. So um, that would be, I don't know, about seven times more profitable than sending yeah. the gas down a pipeline. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's a specific answer, but those very, when I do a matrix, like the two driving factors that you want to look at are if you're going to do and do a total hash rate of the network price of the Bitcoin. And then I, I put in all the values so I can see where my break even is. Cause you'll mine Bitcoin as long as it's cheaper to mine Bitcoin than it is to buy it on the exchange. Um, and so I do cost to mine Bitcoin and then I convert it to an NCF for oil partners. Um, but then uptime, right? Uptime is the, one of your biggest factors. So if I can increase my uptime, all my numbers are run at a 95% uptime because Wells are a little different. I can't get four nines. Like data centers say they're 99.99% up. At a well site, we have to do things like biocide treatments on wells, which is really just bleach in the wells to kill, kill the bugs that would live in water. 
because um, we don't want them to eat away at the steel in the pipe. So to keep our wells functioning, we do like, you know, some operators will do like every other week treatments on them. And so we just, we have to be prepared for downtime. So if you, so the profitability increases with uh, increased uptime, and then our biggest expense is going to be um, electricity. And so the cheaper we can get the electricity, again, the more profitable we're going to be. Um, let me see, because I don't have it for one Bitcoin. I'm like, if I had a, I'm pulling up my spreadsheet right now. Let's say I had 70 MCF a day. Um, you actually gave us a pretty good figure there with the, like the $9,500. Like that's actually the range yeah. that like back in 2017, I think it was like something like three or four. Um, and then like this year it was as low as 6,500 or something like that. But uh, like yeah. the correlation is like the higher the uh, network hash rate, the higher the cost essentially it's like fairly straightforward in that sense and i think that you said something about terahashes uh, whereas i think that did you mean to say exahash because i think we're at the exahash level on a network-wide uh metric uh, so i i say because those uh, just because i'm more familiar with millions so i say 160 million terahashes um, which is gotcha. right easier for my brain to work in that. Uh, yeah. I, I get it. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But we're talking about the same thing, <laughs> yeah, they, it's, they're the same thing. I just use a number that uh, my brain can wrap its head around. Maybe if I'm in Bitcoin longer, the the bigger numbers will start to make sense to my brain. Well, what comes um, after so Yeah, so I'm using million and teras together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for someone not on here, it's like, I like how I like to explain it to my, uh, to our investors is, Prior to the ban in China, the total hash rate of the Bitcoin network was 200 million terahashes per second. And the price of Bitcoin was like $63,000. Well, when they banned it in China, over half of the hash rate came off and it dropped to 80 million terahashes. And so even though the price dropped down to 30,000, my proportionate share of it, because that's how I calculate my probability, more than doubled. So even though the price was half, each of my computers was now mining twice as much Bitcoin. And so that's kind of how the network balances itself out. And so as long as, as long as the terahash doesn't, if, if, if the hash rate of the network increases at 5% month over month and the price of Bitcoin is only 3%, then my margins get squeezed. Um, but there's, it, it wouldn't make sense for the hash rate to increase without the price increasing because the highest cost, if someone's paying 13 cents a kilowatt hour, they're going to have to drop off the network. And so, yeah, Bitcoin, it's just developed to like continually balance itself out. Which is amazing that this autonomous thing without a CEO or a company or an organization or anything can balance itself so elegantly and dynamically. And it's, it's, that's a, uh, I think this is part yeah. of the thing where Murgakshi said that uh, we learn something new about Bitcoin every day. And this is, part of where like my research has led me is just like, wow, how dynamic is this system? Like how can we build more systems that are this dynamic and this responsive to changing geopolitical environments and geo and, uh, and economic environments? Like I don't know of any other system that does this as, as efficiently and as well as Bitcoin does. Well, economically speaking though, you know, coming up with Kryptonite energy, sorry, was it Kryptonite energy or Kryptonite mining? Yeah, no, Kryptonite energy. Okay, so you know, kryptonite and energy. How has that impacted the 
people in that area economically, because I'm sure that it has increased the number of jobs. You said you needed to get an electrical engineer out of retirement. <laughs> so right, right. how is that stimulating the economy? You know, it's such a small project. I don't want to overestimate how we're doing, uh, how we're impacting it. Um, I mean, obviously we need an electrical engineers, the generator company we're using. So that, like we're using Mesa Solutions. We'll give a shout out to Mesa Solutions. They've been fantastic. I will say several generator companies want to get into Bitcoin mining at oil fields. So we've had lots of phone calls. Um, Mesa Solutions has told us uh, that they plan to build 700 new generators next year for deployment in oil and gas for mining Bitcoin. So 700 new generators, and I, obviously there's a lot of labor going into getting those. Uh, and then I had lunch with the two sales guys last week. They're staffing up. They got a North Dakota rep. They have a Wyoming rep. So it's definitely employing people in that regard. Um, getting your Connect boxes delivered, so the shipping. Um, I think everyone knows right now supply chain is just an absolute nightmare. Uh, so uh, there's definitely been delays in like getting the PDUs. I have to say PDUs are really, really hard to come by, that we have two sources that we are keeping our lips sealed on where we got them because they're so hard to come by. Um, and yeah, it's like, um, you know, we're not too far from Craig, Colorado. So I guess we're bringing more people out there. I mean, we're near a golf course, so maybe somebody's spending some money on the golf course. But it's a very small project, so... Us personally, what there's a, you know there's going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars spent in a city that otherwise would not have been, but it's not going to be great. But Bitcoin mining in oil field itself is helping employ uh, several, you know, helping employ several new people. I would say that's more than zero, and <laughs> <laughs> it's more than zero. <laughs> I mean, yes. Wow. Oh gosh. Such as I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. Well, simple in, statements are powerful sometimes actually. Like, in, in the sense that it's a start for something, right? Like it's eight months in and this small project looks like it's, it's definitely going to expand, which I guess ask, I'll just ask you, what is, what is next for crypto night energy? Uh, yeah, and so we've talked about that, how big, it's too big. Um, and so we have five projects identified that we plan to go after, and they're on the smaller side. They're small operators. Um, and so there's lots of people interested in going after the really big megawatt one, and you've got the Chinese coming and asking you for multi-megawatts of power. Um, and we think there's a sweet spot in going after and, and helping the small operator that otherwise is going to have to maybe plug their wells. Like that's a resource in the ground that um, we want to utilize until it has to be plugged, not plugged because of regulations. Uh, something to know about Bitcoin mining is that we can take gas at a much lower pressure. So we can take gas at 5 PSI because we're not putting it into a pipeline where we have to fight pipeline pressures. And so wells that otherwise maybe would have to be plugged and abandoned, P&A'd, because they can't fight the pressure going into the pipeline can actually now be used for longer. So we're not wasting, right? It'd be almost a waste to plug a well early because we have valuable energy in there that we can use. So we can push the, the plug in, p &A liability out five or 10 years because we can take gas at such a low pressure that doesn't need to be compressed and put into a pipeline. So I believe we can help operators push the, the cost of p a well into the future and the time value of money. That's always good if you can push a p a into the future because there's 
there's no value in a P&A to an operator. It's just a cost on your, on your books. Um, what's it, what's so, P&A stand for? So P&A stands for plug and abandon. So oh. when the well is no longer, no, when the well can no longer produce as an economic value, so similar to Bitcoin, let's say you're only going to mine Bitcoin when you can mine it cheaper than you can, uh, uh, buy it on an exchange, right? So in oil and gas, you're only going to produce the oil and gas from a well when the cost, the operating cost is less than the value of it. As soon as it costs more to hire people to pump the well, then you're going to plug, the, then the well is sub-economic and is in the red and you're going to plug the well. And so we can help, we can help make that tail of a, because a, it's similar to the Bitcoin network in this way too. Like a gas, an oil and gas well will never make more oil and gas in the day it was turned on. It's a declining curve. And it's kind of like Bitcoin where every four years it goes through a halving. And so the, the distribution of Bitcoin is a, a, a decline curve as well. So they're similar in that respect. And so if we can push the tail of the oil and gas production out further um, and get more of the resource, resource out of the ground, then we are you know, providing a benefit to operators and, and people who use, use that energy. Because if I can take their natural gas, then they can produce that oil. And they don't have to plug and abandon that well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because when you're done, when you're done producing a well, then the the right the state or the feds require that you you plug and bend it. So it's just putting pulling the pipe and putting cement down and and uh, you know returning it to pre-drill. Right on. So I just so I understand correctly, the expansion plan for Kryptonite Energy is. Um, avoiding PNA and I guess going to these operators so that you can make use of um, the the wells so that the operators don't have to plug and abandon that well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. We're just going to go approach small operators, uh, and we have a couple business models right now. Our first two operators are most interested in us purchasing their gas, and so we will purchase the gas. And then we will use it to mine Bitcoin. We also would love to help operators realize the upside of Bitcoin themselves. And so if they are intimidated or have no knowledge or need an arm's length at mining Bitcoin, we've, we've, we've talked to a few, but we'd love to come into the operator and, and for an override. So we'll, we'll come in, we'll set up, we'll buy the equipment, we will run the entire operation, but they'll put up the CapEx to do that. And that because of that, they'll, re- they'll, they'll realize the vast majority of the upside. And we will, almost like drilling a well, we're just going to take an override on, on, on converting that gas to Bitcoin. And that way, that eliminates our need to go out and raise capital, which can be proved to be the most difficult part of it. But really, the bigger thing is we want operators to understand that Bitcoin mining is a digital pipeline. And so if they're willing to take the capital the capital on, they can realize the upside. So instead of getting zero or $5 in MCF, they can get the 36 or the 50 or the $60 in MCF, whatever it is based on the hash rate and price of Bitcoin. Um, so we want operators to realize how they can make that money themselves, but they don't have to know anything about Bitcoin. My team can come in and implement this for them and then they're good to go. Um, and so we've talked to a few operators like that as well. Have you faced any challenges in explaining Bitcoin to to operators in this in this way? 
Uh, no, actually, I will say I've had several people who said they've had it explained to them like 10 times, and I've done the best job of explaining it. So I, we oh. must have the story. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I like I like how you say digital pipeline, uh, especially because I guess in the oil and gas lingo, pipelines are um, were, were very well understood. And a digital pipeline, even the way that you mentioned it, just in this conversation of how you're essentially just converting money in, and transmitting it in through this digital pipeline to the rest of uh, the Bitcoin miners to secure the network. That's you know that you've you got it down pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'll think we're successful when operators are calling us up to do that for them. Because I really, since I am 20-year oil and gas professional, I really want operators to embrace how technology can make them more profitable. Um, and so if my team can help an operator realize how they could be more profitable, then that's even better than them selling it to us at a discounted rate. We, we really want them to realize the upside of Bitcoin mining because that's how it's going to become ingrained in how we run economics even, right? If, if everyone's buying fields on, on $5 strip pricing and you can run your strip on $36, you can win um, A&D acquisition. You can, you can win new fields in a bidding process because you have what we call a discount rate. You have a, a, a you're, you're gonna be able to justify a higher price for that same field. If you even take just 10% of that, that stream and use it to mine Bitcoin. Um, and so I, I think the hardest part right now is as oil and gas prices are going up, $80 barrels, which we haven't seen, $5 gas, um, an operator has to say, am I going to use this capital, because capital is limited, am I going to use this capital to drill a new well? Am I going to use this capital to build out a Bitcoin mining? And they're just more comfortable drilling wells, because that's what they're in the business of. Um, and so the, price, the rise in price is probably... Um, going to maybe like slow down the adoption of Bitcoin because it's, they're actually profitable to drill oil wells again. Um, but yeah, just to get oil and gas operators to understand that technology can make them more profitable and my team can help bring that technology to the well site. Wow. Do you foresee any other challenges, I guess, apart from um I, I guess it's the, uh, with respect to the volatility in the price of selling oil, and if that is profitable, then you know not having the technology alternative of also setting up Bitcoin mining. But besides that, do you foresee any other challenges in the expansion? Uh, in the expansion, I mean, I think we're going to grow slower than we want because capital is hard to come by. I had a group call me last week. I'm like, was it? Yeah, it wasn't yesterday. So last week. And they're like, okay, we have 500 MCF a day, which is two and a half megawatts next month. Can you take it? <laughs> Do you guys want to fund the CapEx? And they're like, no, we're not quite there yet. I think phase three, we're going to want to fund it. But this is phase two. We have one small one. And I, I said, I don't have ac access to $6 million today to start buying the equipment so that I can be on site next month. Um, and so capital is the reason that I'm not moving on that two and a half megawatts. And I don't want to lead a, a customer on. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, let me see. Um, right. So I, I, I reached out to a couple of data centers. So if there is a data center listening that, that wants access to this, I'm happy to, to make an introduction. Um, but, yeah, having the six million to build out two and a half megawatts next month, I don't have that. And so um, 
we're going to grow slower because of CapEx restrictions. Um, and we're just, we're a small team. Um, there's, you know, there, we have a, a lead investor and just two of us working the project. And so, again, um, I think we're going to grow smaller to start with so that we don't have to staff up as well and, and give up a bunch of the upsides because we want to be able to take a small enough cut that it makes sense for operators to want us to come into their site. We don't want to be greedy. We do have a lot of um, like podcast listeners in the States. And I think spe- specifically in the Denver region, I remember I'm trying to recall the chart because we check our podcast stats from time to time. And we have quite a few listeners from there. I know one of them sent us a shout out. I sent us an email as well. And they were from Denver, Colorado, Colorado which is what I remembered. But did you want to sort of um, like what please feel free to advertise, I guess, anything that you want on our podcast so that people can reach out to you directly and ask to, I guess, um, work with you on the project or contribute in any meaningful way, even if it's in investing in it, which I did have a question on that. Are you accepting Canadian investors slash can people from Canada invest in kryptonite energy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we are not discriminating on, on investors. Um, a minimum that we're taking is in the twenty-five to $50,000 range just so that we can, um, right, so we can manage investors. Our first couple projects are fully funded, but again, we have a pipeline of five and could easily have a pipeline of 10 if we knew we had a clear line of sight on capital. But yeah, if you're interested in investing, we can go through the models and show the return on the capital and um, go through like what are, you know, right now we're doing a 80-20. So from day one, 80% of the revenue is going to come back to you, the investor, in monthly dividends or monthly payments, and 20% is going to come to the managing partners for running the operation, uh, for buying it, setting it up, securing the gas. And so it's an 80-20 from day one, from what we hear is um, pretty generous. Uh, and yeah, you'll make a great return on your money. So yeah, definitely would love to talk to more investors interested in investing in this. Would love to talk to more operators, specifically in the Rocky Mountains. So if you're in Wyoming, Colorado, um, New Mexico, uh, Montana, we'd love an opportunity to talk with you if you have, if you have natural gas that you need to, to uh, monetize. Um, if you are interested in, in uh, realizing upside of, of the CapEx and, and ha- or upside of Bitcoin mining and have CapEx, we'd love to show you the models on, on how we can make you money. Um, or again, it takes a little longer. If we have to go raise the capital, then it just takes a little bit longer for us to get the capital in place to come to your well site. But absolutely, we'd love to talk to you. I know that uh, Bitcoin miners, most of you guys are Bitcoin enthusiasts, most of you don't use LinkedIn as your main, uh, I guess, social media. That's kind of where oil and gas is. We're on LinkedIn, and so I know people make fun of it, but you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jacinda Brown on LinkedIn. And I I think our video is like 7,000 views, the one where you guys found me. Yeah. Uh, and message me on there, and I'll, I'll get back to everyone who messages me on there. I'm on Telegram. I have to admit, I'm not... I'm not as good at, I don't even know my handle on Telegram, but it's, <laughs> I, I think it's just Brown or something like that. Um, so I'm on Telegram um, or LinkedIn are probably the two best ways to find find me and access the Kryptonite Energy team. 
Right, right on. And we definitely will put all of the links that you've mentioned in the show notes so that uh, our audience can very easily access uh, where you are. I think he's writing it down right now. But I'll, I'll confirm yeah. that I'll confirm your Telegram handle before we put it on because, man, I get spammed I by so many Telegram users and, and groups. We just we want to make sure that um, after listening to this, you know, nobody gets the, the, the malintent of getting a telegram handle called Jacinda Brown, Kryptonite Energy Mining, and, you know, start messaging people. Would you also take investment in cryptocurrency? Uh, we haven't, but we could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say, okay, so for people who are trying to get into this, something we learned is Wells Fargo does not want anything to do with your business if you are in Bitcoin. Um, and so that's where I had a lot of my, right, like, I, I have my own geologic consulting company and my own like investment company. And so I just went there thinking, oh, it'll be easy. I'll just open the, the account for kryptonite energy. No go. 90 day delay, um, all these things. So don't use Wells Fargo if you are going to go into Bitcoin. Uh, First Bank seemed to have no problem with that. Uh, and so just a heads up to people because you don't have 90 days to jump through Wells Fargo hoops. Uh, that's a hot tip. I love it. We also got rejected when we started our company. Yeah, we went to a local credit union. And they're just like, no, blockchains in your name, can't do it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah that that was true. <laughs> I think that we'd get the the door right away now since GoFull Crypto is is the full <laughs> name. So that's like it's worse than blockchain. And just one yeah. last question uh, before before letting you go here, Jacinda, your the amount of information and that you have offered in in this uh, in our conversation today and how candid you've been about it very appreciative of it appreciative of it i'm wondering is have you seen a lot of collaboration in the in the bitcoin mining sector versus competition yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point is that since uh natural gas is not what's in short supply it's the capital raised um, we're all pretty friendly to each other. Um, there's a, there's several of our groups like popping up, um, and everyone just needs that first uh, proof of concept really to get off the ground. Um, and so since we've had that, we've had groups reach out and be like, "Would you? Is there a chance that you would possibly sell your proof of concept to us?" And again, right, we're willing to talk to everyone. Our our plan was not to build this and, and flip it, but there's groups that are, seem to have trouble getting their first one off the ground and think that it may be worth just buying it out so that they have it to go raise the capital off of. Um, and so, yeah, we just share our, our learnings along the way, our stumblings along the way as well. Um, and I will say others in the space have just been just as generous with their time as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I guess another thing I've been approached to do is consult in this. So if you're an operator who wants to do it for yourself, but you know nothing about it, um, we can also con consult in that space because we build all the models um, and, you know, we can kind of explain it. So our, our team is also willing to help get you get an operator up to speed so that they understand whether they want to do it themselves or, or hire an outside team to do it as well. That's fantastic to hear. Like, I, I really wonder how the 
I guess Bitcoin mining industry will progress further and whether or not competition will become more prevalent than collaboration. But I'm really happy to hear that collaboration is the basis for uh, the industry right now and sharing information to get up and running because, well, I guess Bitcoin mining and securing the Bitcoin network is a collaborative effort. And without collaboration, we just wouldn't have the Bitcoin network standing. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Well, uh, did you have any last words to, uh, or last, anything to say before we wrap up? I don't think so. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. I, I'm happy to, to talk about this and hopefully get oil and gas operators to think about uh, technology to improve their economics, really, is, is where we're coming from this from. So yeah, thank you for letting us share our story. Right on. Oh, thank you for coming on. This is, this is fascinating and offering up your generous time and your knowledge on how you got all of this started. Um, to everyone listening, connect with Jacinda Brown on LinkedIn, find her on Telegram, ask her the questions that you have and, and stay tuned for our next episode.